welcome to Motherhood Every Kind of Way. We want to take a closer look at the journeys of women after and through motherhood. This is Lynette. Welcome to episode five. In this episode, I interview Annie Mafio. Annie describes herself as a full-time working mom. And in fact, the work that she does requires that she travels away from home for about two months out of the year in total. Her son, Ben, is one and a half years old, and she and her husband are both in their second marriage. This week's interview is just between me and Annie, and uh, meanwhile, Magda will be conducting her own interviews with moms that she has had the opportunity to speak with. And so we're hoping that in this way, we can generate lots of conversation with different people, and it sort of keeps us flexible in terms of being able to create content even when we're busy. So thanks again so much for listening. Here's my conversation with Annie. Is there anything about your parenthood experience that you feel like is a unique experience for you or something that you feel really alone in? Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Mothers have been doing this for bajillions of years, Absolutely. right? Mm -hmm. So nothing is unique. We all feel it can be unique. And I think that that's the adjustment we make, right? However, I think the one thing that I found was really interesting was sort of the the nomenclature around postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. I, I suffered from the sort of, we call it postpartum depression, right? If I were to say postpartum to you, you would tack on the term, I think, just subconsciously depression, right? Yeah. And when I was, or we do right? certainly. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it really started, um, for me when I was like eight weeks postpartum and I had stopped breastfeeding because my son was trying to eat for like two and a half hours at a time. Yeah. So let's figure out what our next step is. So I'd stopped breastfeeding. And so the hormones kind of came down and then bought a house and like just kind of the stuff hit the fan and so then I was not feeling depressed I was getting up and showering and you know going to work and functioning at like a fairly normal level so I couldn't wrap my head around depression mm -hmm. like that wasn't like it didn't that look the, like the pictures depression. of depression that you we right received right like sure so um I actually called an 800 number at one point not like because I was in crisis, like I, you know, heaven forbid I was going to go and harm myself, but I didn't know what to do with myself because mm -hmm. I couldn't identify what I was feeling. And the woman I spoke to, God bless her soul, was just like, yeah, well, but what you're not feeling, what, what the problem is, is that what we're seeing is not, it's not depression. There's sort of four categories of postpartum feelings that women feel huh. that can be negative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the one thing that I wish I would have been more cognizant of or educated about in that postpartum world. I mean, we learn all about the crazy mesh underwear we're going to have to wear, right? right? Or, you know, what your nipples may feel like, yeah. or all the things that, like, whether you learn them beforehand or you learn it immediately afterwards, we learn about that stuff. But that was the one thing where, like I said, I couldn't wrap my head around what I was feeling, and I just was like, what is this? It's not depression. And she identified those four categories for me, and I was like, Oh, what? I, and I'm just so curious, off. first of all, what the 
what the 800 number was? Like what prompted you, if you didn't feel like it was depression, what, what drove you to ask for that help or to, to, to sort of seek some answers? Yeah. So um, I, like, I promise I, at some point, probably should have been on a very low dose of some sort of anti-anxiety medication my entire adult life. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of dealt with it yeah. because when you're pre-mom life, you can, if you don't get sleep one night, you could probably make up for it your next night, right? Yes. Like that's kind of what we did before we had kids. And then when you're in the battles of sleep deprivation with a newborn, you just can't do that anymore. And then with all the hormones and everything, I was just like, okay, this is not functioning. And at some point, I'm not a jovial person, but I'm a fairly happy person. I'm not mm-hmm. like, you know, one of Santa's little helpers, but <laughs> I'm a fairly upbeat person. And um, I remember yelling at my husband in like sort of just a fit of rage mm-hmm. about something totally inane. And his face was like, I don't, I can't figure out why you're so angry at me, but he wasn't going to say squat, right? Because mm-hmm. he knew what was good for him and he wanted to survive through the night. <laughs> and I was like standing on the landing of our stairs, just yelling at him about something. And I was like, it was almost like I was floating above myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoop, nope, nope, this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, you had this gift of some really great self-awareness in that moment, I feel, right? Like that's Well, I right. And it, well, and I'd had a couple moments previous to that where I was just like, I am crying and mm-hmm. I'm very angry and I don't really know why. And again, on a very conscious level, you know why, but you're just like, I don't know, I don't know what the title, I don't know what I'm feeling. Well, and that's so hard because I feel like that is it's very hard to know what normal is supposed to right. be at any given right. point and Sure. What's baby blues, which is, pardon me, but it's total bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, you just feel like you want to wreck the world, whether or not it's baby blues or whether or not it's postpartum anxiety or depression or, like, harm or whatever the case may be. That's all a shit show. Yeah. You know? So, what? but I was, like, out of body. I'm so curious what those four, can you recall what those four categories were? I can recall three of them. Mm-hmm. So this was really interesting to me. So the woman was, she was so kind and she was just like, you could just tell she was like, you know, probably around my mom's age and like Southern. Mm-hmm. She had like a nice accent on her. <laughs> and I was just pacing around our dining room, which wasn't a dining room at the time. It had no furniture in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to her and she's like, well, we've, uh, you know, we've identified postpartum depression, but that's like I said, it's a, not a real good title for what everybody goes through. So they identify it as postpartum depression, which is depression. And it's, and it's as we sort of generically identify it, mm-hmm. you know, can't shower, can't get out of bed, can't function, aren't eating, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. And I know I'm being, I'm sure there's people who suffer from depression that would just be like, you know, screw off. You're not describing it appropriately. And that's not my symptoms. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to do a disservice to what they suffer through, yes. but you know, the generic, easy buzzfeed.com definition right so then she said there's postpartum anger which i think a lot of moms suffer from Mm -hmm. but they sort of catapult that or like boomerang it into i'm just mad that you're not doing the dishes or i'm not i'm mad that like my kids aren't doing what i want Mm -hmm. them to and she said that is the one that goes undiagnosed the most postpartum anger Right. Yeah. I feel like this all falls into this general category of, oh, well, you're just hormonal because you just right. had a baby, right? Right. So, but if it goes undiagnosed and untreated, mm-hmm. you're just kind of like, well, she's real tired. She has a newborn. Mm-hmm. And then you spend six months in it. And then you spend a year. And then it's just like, well, she's a mom. And then it's like, maybe she's kind of a bitch. or You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, it just kind of can evolve. And I was just like, 
but this doesn't feel like me. And I wasn't doing it for anyone else but myself. Mm -hmm. And maybe my son, but I was just kind of like, I can't function like this. And then she talked about the self-harm portion, which is the real scary stuff. And I knew I didn't, that was not something I was feeling, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you go to those postpartum hospital visits or when you go visit your doctor, the questions that they ask right at the beginning are, are you thinking of hurting yourself or your child? And so if you're like... No, that's not, well, no, no. I'm not that. So I must not be, I must not have postpartum depression because th- those are and sort it's of the like leading six questions. six weeks after. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I'm so in your head, I feel like, and I'm sure we could go on like a 45 minute rant about how this is a societal flaw, but mm-hmm. you're like, well, it's six weeks after I gave birth. Of course, I'm sleep deprived. Of, co- of course, I feel a little bit nuts just because this is all brand new. Mm-hmm. But if I were to go have gone back at eight weeks, instead of that magical six-week checkup where they tell you, you know, your vagina is healed mm-hmm. and you don't have postpartum depression, if I would have gone back at eight weeks, I would have been like, yeah, my vagina is healed, but I'm not. Yeah. That would have been a totally different conversation. Yeah. So um, so she identified those four, and then she identified anxiety, mm-hmm. which is what I was suffering from. And as we kind of, I think, know, just reflecting back on it, anxiety often sort of presents itself as anger because you can't process through yeah. it. Yeah. And so that's what I was suffering from. And shortly thereafter, you know, and this is obviously in the grand scheme of things about, I would say like three or four weeks after I made an appointment with a psychiatrist and he gave me uh, generic Xanax and generic Zoloft. And the Xanax was really more so if I was like spiking and I couldn't Mm -hmm. keep my anxiety under control. And the Zoloft was just to take every day. And I'm very lucky because I haven't really had to take the Xanax at all. And the Zoloft I just take every day and it's been a huge help for me. Well, I guess this leads into sort of one of the first questions I wanted to ask, which is, can you talk a little bit about yourself before you became a mom? Sure. And then how have you changed since becoming a mom? Yeah. Um, So before, so I think I'm, my experience is becoming more common. Um, I was older when I became a mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I kind of talked about, you know, I was a geriatric pregnancy. Right. (laughs) And I love my OBGYN because she was a geriatric pregnancy, too. And she was like, what is this so stupid? Like, you know. Yeah. I'm geriatric, which is fantastic because I'm 37 now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, according to the medical community, going on 105 or whatever. You know, I, I had ex- when I had um, my first daughter, I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I, I was 32. Two when I had had my first daughter, and I felt okay. very much on the young side. Like I think right. there, I, I think it's possible also that this varies from from region to region. But I felt like this is not based on actual me reading Science. facts or <laughs> statistics. But um, I was I was meeting lots of moms, first time moms who were forty or around forty, and so I, I think it could have something to do with like. West Coast, Midwest, too. And we've got a little bit of, you know, in the context of where we live, I think there, I have noticed that people tend to feel like we're too old sooner here. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting because we're a little bit like our circle of friends, my husband and I, like half of our friends don't have kids and I don't even know if they're going to, Mm -hmm. which is kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned, so this was a second marriage for both my husband and I, and we didn't have kids previously from either one of our marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, So... You know, I think we were a little bit interesting in the sense that, like, we were both kind of settled and, like, we met and we're like, yeah, I want to have kids and you're my person and, you know, like, this is, if I would have had a kid, it would have been great. 
with my previous marriage because I would have loved that soul and that creature, but I'm really glad I didn't because mm-hmm. now I've matured into the person I am and I'm in a better place mentally for that. Did you just sort of never get to that place in your first marriage where you were, where you like were talking about like, let's have, ha- let's have kids now let's, or, or was it just sort of not in the cards? So we had sort of, so my ex-husband was 11 years older than me mm-hmm. and we got married when I was just barely 25, mm-hmm. which to me is like a baby, mm-hmm. you know, know. Just like it feels puppy. like it now. So he was, but he was so much older than me and not so much older than me, but he was so much older than me and he was very settled. Mm-hmm. So as I started to progress through my career and just kind of like not be 25 anymore, I think he was kind of like, well, shit, you're, you're not the same. I mean, my soul was the same, but like, I didn't want to do the same stuff that I wanted to do mm-hmm. when I was 25, when I was 30. And I think that was very shocking for him. So he, he really, he took that not in stride. And I don't mean that negatively. Mm-hmm. He just didn't know what to do with it. And so we kind of talked about having kids and then nothing really came of it. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, we, you know, separated and spent a couple years sort of on and off trying to work on our marriage, mm-hmm. separated, got back together and then separated again. So, and the divorce is very amicable. I mean, we share custody of our dog mm-hmm. to this day because we can't, neither that's, one of us can let go. That's cool. It's re- so. it's really encouraging to hear too. I mean, that's. Yeah. So yeah, so that was kind of who I was before, and then I met my husband, and we were engaged within a year and a half of us meeting, and we got married six months later, and Mm -hmm. then we got married in April, and I was pregnant by September. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of... So a lot of your relation, a lot of your marriage has been as expecting parents or as parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it'll be interesting because the year of, like, 2018 and 2019 for portions of it, because Ben was born in May, will be us not having to do anything but just be parents mm-hmm. and define what our marriage is as that. Yeah. You know, in an ideal world, I think you spend a couple years just being married. Mm-hmm. But again, because he's a little bit, he's almost, he's going to be 40 in February and I'm going to be 38. We were kind of like, well, let's we gotta, go for we got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so. you know, my my husband and I were married for six or seven years before we had kids. And we'd okay. kn- we've known each other since we were 14. So have we, you really? Yeah, we have. We're, um, although, you know, I, I like to tell people that I feel like I've had four marriages within my marriage. <laughs> no, why because is that? Because when you grow, I just feel like when you grow up together. You're uh, very different people. Yeah, you're different people. And we've we've had it we've had to shift and i feel really grateful actually that we just because we've gone up and down and it hasn't always you know we've definitely had to like reevaluate our relationship several times 100 percent. yep so i i i don't know that we would have i don't know what would have happened if we had kids sooner but i think that the reason we're able to make it work right now is because i i often think it's because we had all that time without kids but yeah, I like listening to your story because it reminds me that well, everybody's path is different, and th- there's there are certainly ways to work on your relationship with a child in your life. Well, for sure, and I think we're discovering that as we go. I think the other thing that's really interesting is I sometimes say to him, "I don't know if you would have liked me when I was like 20. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like we we were meant to meet when we did. Mm-hmm. 
And then, and not not through Kismet or I mean, we met on Match.com. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was you know. I mean, we, we sought each other out. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. not like it was some well, grand and with plan of each the with your like what you had learned from your past marriages too. I feel like that's it's a significant thing to have had a, sig- a really significant relationship and right and have gone through kind of the the show of what that was and how that changes you. Mm. Yeah, it's it's and it is something I've thought about. Like it, we revel in the time that we have with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told you my son goes to bed at 7 o'clock, and that's because we really enjoy the time we have with each other. We enjoy yeah. sitting on the couch and just being like, hi, I, I remember what you're like. Mm-hmm. You're a human being. And, you know, we sleep trained our son. And again, this isn't about, like, how to be a parent, but we were like, oh, we're sleep training him mm-hmm. so we can spend time together. If we tra- If he comes back to us when he's 20 and he's like, you traumatized me because you sleep trained me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but we might have saved your marriage, so I'm fine with yeah. that. You know, I I don't. That's some really <laughs> that great perspective in that moment. Knowing, recognizing what you need in your relationship. You know, certainly, yeah. I don't think that like my parents were were not thinking when we were kids. We need to put the kids to bed so we can have alone time together. That's not just not what right. marriage looked like for them. You know. My mom said to me, you know, my job, because my dad worked, he was a a partner at a fairly prestigious law firm, Mm -hmm. my biological father at a fairly prestigious law firm in the city. And he would sometimes be working like 80 hours a week or be gone on, um, he was a litigator, so he'd be gone for like six months at a trial. Mm -hmm. And she was like, my job was to take care of you kids. Yeah. That was my job. And that was, I mean, her and my dad, she helped get my dad through law school. So she would be like, my job, part of the agreement was I got to stay home with you. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, I knew I would be a more successful human being on this planet if I worked. How do you how do you think you knew that? I'm just wondering how like where did the self-awareness come from? Cuz I'd been my definition of who I was as an adult mm-hmm. for like a really long time. Yeah. You know, I found the job so I really loved to do. So you'd had 15 years of working right before. Right. Mhm. Right. And I think that helps. Um, and I really like my job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's not every day that I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to go to work. And I miss my child terribly every day. Yeah. And when I, tr- and I travel for work and that's feels impossible when I leave the house. Right. Yeah. But I know I'm a, I'm a more focused person when I'm doing it personally. I know that doesn't apply to every mom. I know that that doesn't apply to the person next door. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you saying it, though, because I think that a lot of times, and and it's because I think that most people are sort of kind and trying to be self-aware that we sort of, like, not apologize for it, but we sort of soften the choices we make in order to not come off as, like, oh, I'm... I figured it out and you haven't. But but I, I, I think that more of us, if we could just claim what we know the right combination of things is for ourselves, right? Like I think that yeah. that's, I'll say that for me, a huge struggle around deciding because I was at home, only, I was I was a stay-at-home mom for about three years okay. with a little bit of working here and there, but I was mostly home during the day. I was always there in the morning and I, I've had that model of, just like your mom, I'm home. My job is to take care of these kids and to support. Right. That's what my mom did too. That's what my husband's mom did. And so I, I was just dealing with a great deal of guilt surrounding why do I feel like I don't want to just do that? And yeah. I, remem- I remember when I started to talk to my mom about, like, I think that I might start going on auditions again, or I, 
Sure. You know, she, my mom is great and she is like the best grandma in that she never imparts anything. I mean, she just lets me do it the way I do. And she actually watches my sister's daughter almost full time. So yeah, watching that is really cool too, because she's a really great supporter of the parent. You guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I remember her asking me like, well, I thought you said that you were, I thought you said you were going to stay at home. Like there was just this little bit of like, oh, why can't I, you know? And I've talked to other friends too, who, some who said, oh, I'm going to stay home with my kids and then realized six months, a year into it, like, I hate this. Right. I don't like this. I don't know. I just wanted to say, I really appreciate you saying like, I know that I'm a better mom when I'm working full time. Well, and I think of it like this too. I mean, my son is currently Mm -hmm. the most privileged human being in this country, right? He's a white male. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a simple fact, right? So my husband and I make a, as best we can, um, in a fairly homogenized suburb in which we are living, Mm -hmm. um, a thoughtful, he's a year and a half. We're not doing squat right now. I mean, he's, you know, we're, we're lucky if he doesn't explode out of his diaper, Mm -hmm. but at some point we will make a thoughtful effort to make sure that he knows that he is the most privileged person in the sense that like this is not this is not the way life is always going to be mm-hmm. you're damn lucky and you need to be aware of all the other things in the world that are going on yeah and your mom works really hard and has worked really hard for her career and you better appreciate it and it, should his partner be someone of the opposite sex, Mm -hmm. he needs to appreciate and support that person in the same way that I am supported. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that my mom didn't, wasn't a good role model because she was a stay at home mom, but I'm providing a good role model in that sense too. So, you know, there he's like said, he's, um, he's hopefully going to grow up and see that you have a daughter. She's going to grow up and see you working. Mm -hmm. And I think those are all things. And, and frankly, it's really fucking hard to not have parents working two jobs. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we couldn't, do it and kind of and we're not leading a lifestyle right now frankly we're not going on exotic vacations mm-hmm. but you know hopefully in a couple of years we'll get there again and at that point we'll it'll take two incomes if we want to give him the education he wants if we want to help pay it all for any kind of college you know mm-hmm. it, it, all of those things are going to take two incomes and that's the way it's going to go it's not the same place that we grew up in and it's not the same world that our moms were stay-at-home moms in so yeah it's all something we took into consideration definitely um, are there any societal or cultural messages about motherhood that frustrate you or that you'd like to see changed? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would you like me to start? You can start anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess we still kind of, there's sort of, I think you sort of touched on it when you and I initially talked, mm-hmm. but the kind of mom bashing yeah. Like, there is zero reason that we all can't support the shit out of each other. Yeah. Because we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. Why doesn't it feel like it, though? I mean, why why do why do you think it exists? It's it's there. It's yeah, strong. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know why that is. And I, I think it may be an innate sense of competition and and I'm sure I know I mean if you if you read a fictional novel from like the 1950s if you mm-hmm. like are we still <laughs> trying to get over 
Like, don't you remember being a kid and if you're, if something crazy happened in your house, like if your parents got in a fight, not a big deal. Parents fight, right? We're going to fight in front of our children mm-hmm. at some point. But I remember my parents mm-hmm. getting in a fight and I told my best friend, who was our neighbor as well, oh, mommy and daddy got in a fight. My mom was like, don't say anything. Don't tell the, you know, like, what is it about yeah. that sense of like, we have to have perfection all the time. Yeah. Like, is that what we're trying to like guard against? Mm. Like we're perfect. And now it's just been exacerbated by social media and, you know, like, oh, we're the perfect family, you know, and we show just enough craziness or like crazy Santa pictures. Everybody's got their kid crying on Santa's lap. See, we're not too perfect. Like, what (laughs) is it that we're trying to educate people about? I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a weird thing. And I think we're not, we're not nice to each other sometimes. That's the, that's, that's one of the areas that I feel like we could really because I don't give a shit if somebody tries to breastfeed their kid or not as long as they're trying to feed them you know Mm -hmm. I don't care if you choose not to sleep train your kid that's your prerogative man you know Mm -hmm. so what how how do we change it do you have any in musing about stop it in its track say it again stop it in its track like if you see it if you see it call it out call it out yep Mm mm-hmm 100%. 100%. Kind of like, yeah. hey, give that mom a break. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't let the old lady behind you at the grocery store say something. And if you see another mom doing it on social media or whatever, stop it. Mm-hmm. So what do you think you do well as a mom? Like, Do you have a superpower that you want to share? <gasps> I think, oh God, that's a really great question. I think I am very good at reading stories. Mm-hmm. That's one of my superpowers. Yeah. Um, reading stories. I, yeah. Like I'm really good. My voices are a little bit insane. Um, oh. So my mom made the mistake of trying to read Where the Wild Things Are to Ben mm-hmm. one night when she was babysitting and he was very upset because she didn't do my voices. You were not doing like, that well, Grandma. <laughs> right? she, she was like, he freaked out. And I was like, sorry, Mom, I kind of set you up for failure with that one. And I honestly, I mean, in like sort of a more serious tone, mm-hmm. I think I'm very good at making sure my son knows he is loved. Mm. Oh, what a great superpower. How, 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 how do you do that? Oh, I think I'm going to cry. The kid, my son will never not know physical affection. Yeah. He will never, every night before he goes to bed. So we have a, you can have my mom recite it for you. I'm sure. Church. Yeah. But she, we do a thing called purple cow. It's our little thing before he goes to bed. And I've been saying it to him every single night, even when he was, colicky and insane and we couldn't get him to be quiet it's our little like nighttime tuck-in thing Mm -hmm. and I say purple cow to him every night even when I'm out of town we FaceTime and I say purple cow and then I tell him I love you and you're the best thing I've ever done Mm. so that's you know it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter if he's squirming I you know I still have the the glider chair in his room and Mm -hmm. we rock and read stories and then turn off the light and I sing to him a little bit and then um, we do purple cow and that's it. And he will never, he will never feel unloved or insecure in that capacity. That's awesome. So, and that, I mean, I think. and it's clear you've made that a priority. It is really yeah. important. Um, yes. Purple cow is a poem or a book. Yep. It's a poem. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, it's a poem. I might have to get it from you just so I can look at the words it's later. Super, it's super short, mm-hmm. and it's something that everybody... My mom started saying it to my oldest brother, Jimmy. I think he was just having a, like a little fit one night, and... It has now been passed down. All of the nephews and nieces oh. get it before. I mean, they're all like grown now. Yeah. And so Ben is like the last of the of the babies do in you, the family. Well, do you feel bed. like it's too personal to share it? Can you? No, sh- not okay. at all. I want to hear it. All right. Night, night. Sleep tight. Sweet dreams. See you in the morning. Have a good time in the land of Nod. I love you. I've never seen a purple cow. I hope I never see one. But if I ever had a choice, I'd rather see than be one. <laughs> So it's really cheesy and it's yeah, really corny, but it's really sweet. Yeah, but it's it's great. But every time I say it now, like as he's gotten older and he's processing, like we're going to sleep, he starts to rub his eyes. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, victory, we've done it. Right. <laughs> yeah, he he, and that's so great, right? You're just sort of setting up that, routine like you're safe, and, the safe routine. Yep. Um, yep. that's really cool. Um, you started, you mentioned earlier the idea of self-care. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some things that you do to take care of yourself? So that's been a, more of a struggle, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. Working out was a huge part of my life before I had been. And so I'm really working very hard to get back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just something that kind of is hit or miss, you know, as I travel, that gets hard because you, you know, sometimes you're on a five hour flight and then I'm there for a weekend and then I come home and then my routine's out of whack or he gets sick. I mean, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. That's really probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. You know, we cook a decent amount around here, so it's not like we're eating, you know, take out pizza all the time or anything like mm-hmm. that. So food is that's how we express our emotions or anything like that. But, you know, we, we eat decently. Is it something you do? together yeah we're usually pretty good we'll cook after he's usually asleep mm-hmm. or we'll like plan the meals um and again this is not every night please don't sure don't like oh. you know holding hands and wandering around the kitchen with <laughs> I the mean, fork in between us wouldn't okay. that be glorious yeah, even though? if it were once every two weeks and it was something that gave you right that was was something that you felt cared for in that moment and it helped to nourish you and fill you up, it would totally count. You know what I mean? That there's no, I feel like sometimes we think that like it needs to be something really regular and it, it doesn't. Yeah. So we, we do, we make a a fairly good effort of like, yeah, we're, this is what we're going to cook and these are our meals. And yeah, so we, we do that. And then we're starting to like, we found a babysitter, I think. So like Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, you know, beyond family members. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago, we went and just had dinner like we used to before. It wasn't tied to an event. It like was just a date. Going to a wedding or like it was, we just went out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh yeah, we just sat there and talked for like several hours without the TV in front of us or computers or phones. And it was great. We were like, this was really fun. Yeah. Stuff like that, I think is, is important. And like I said, just spending time with each other is good. Um, yeah. You know, that's. I feel like saying that stuff aloud and it's a reminder that self-care doesn't have to be complicated or no. difficult or expensive. It can be really simple. It can just be a return to oh, something we used to do. And that question that I didn't ask you, I want to know if you have a dream version of motherhood. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm living it now, mm-hmm. but I think I 
I work pretty hard mm-hmm. to be content in the life that I have. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of the the key, and that that includes like, and I think there's a benefit to being an old lady when you give birth. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, yes, um, there- it gives you a little perspective. Yeah, um, I but I do. I think that that includes the really shitty days. Mm-hmm. It includes the days where, you know, our son was teething and he threw up in the crib and we're peeling the clothes off of him. And then my husband walked downstairs and one of our dogs had crapped under the Christmas tree. No, and like, sorry. you know, like that was our, like, that was between like, that was at seven thirty in the morning. And we're just like, well, this is magical. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff that even in that, like two hours later, you step back and you laugh a little bit because there are so many people that would kill for this. Mm-hmm. And there were moments in my life going through my divorce where I didn't know if I was going to find anybody else. I didn't know mm-hmm. if I would ever have kids because if, if I didn't find that person, I didn't know if I had necessarily the strength to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what any of that was going to look like. So now I'm sitting here with someone that, despite the fact that sometimes, you know, you're like, I kind of want to punch you in the face, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and, and my kid is pooped his diaper for the fourth time today Mm -hmm. and you know my dog is barking at nothing and (laughs) but that's okay you know like that's that's kind of what I signed up for and I'm okay with all of that and I worked a 12-hour day and now I gotta get on a plane you know like all of that is stuff that I've built as you're going forward I want to loop it back a little bit to what you learned about the postpartum anxiety is it something you're still battling and struggling with no i feel a a thousand times better Mm -hmm. it was really it was probably about three months later that i was able to take a couple steps back and be like oh this is much better Mm -hmm. probably about month five or six Mm -hmm. i was able to kind of be like this is really fun and this mm. is enjoyable and I'm really tired, but I, I'm okay with being this tired and I'm okay with like, you know, wearing sweatpants every day, you know, like that. I was able to step back enough. Yeah. And so I still go and see uh, my uh, psychiatrist every three to four months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, my, med- my medication, I've been very lucky because we haven't upped the dosage on it because mm-hmm. I feel, you know, pretty good. And there's obviously days when that ebbs and flows or there's even weeks, you know, if I'm really stressed at work and I have a couple projects that I work on that can make me feel very, very stressed for sure. long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, but I know I can attribute that to something. I know what that is. And there's an end point. I'm able to identify that. But yeah, there was definitely kind of a emerging from the forest moment for me mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I can leave my son to go out for a night. Yeah. You know, and then it's gradual. And, you know, like then we went away on vacation together and then we dropped him off at my in-laws. And the reason I don't like leaving him now is just because I do have time away from him Mm -hmm. because of work. So it's hard enough, you know, like it's hard enough for me to be gone beyond that. But it's not out of fear or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a very marked difference. I could talk to you about a lot of other things, but I think I'm going to draw us to a close 
for now. Thank you so much for talking with oh, me. Oh, thank you for talking with me. Yeah, this was great. It was nice to talk to a, a fellow mom and, you know. And I love, um, you know, we met each other through your mom. I mean, your mom was the first person to get back to me. It was so cool, you know, and I shared, <laughs> I shared that I was doing this podcast. She was so eager for your story to be heard and for your voice to She's be heard, so too. And so I just, yeah. I thought that that was really cool. There are very few bigger fans of their children or their grandchildren than my mom. And I feel like that shows, like, th- that's such a strong message for, like, I feel like a lot of your self-awareness mm-hmm. and your ability to take care of yourself has got yeah. to do with with your mom and sort yeah, of the way, sure. the, the confidence she has in you. There's no mom bashing. Yeah. No mom bashing, no that's mom for bashing. sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool too. Thanks for that model of mother daughter. Yeah. I love I love yeah. seeing that because it gives me a lot of hope and excitement for my own relationship with my daughter. As my mom always said, she's like, "You were not a jerk when you were a teenager." She's like, "You were terrible when you were twenty, but you were in college, so you would just come home for like two and a <laughs> half months at a time, and then you would go back away." I'm like, "Okay, mom." Well, I I kind of want to tear down that narrative. You know, it's so crazy. Maybe, I don't know if you get this because you're the mom of somebody who was born with a penis, but, right. you know, like, I I can't tell you how many people just say things. You know, when I say, like, I love being a mom to a daughter, I'm just, like, enjoying <gasps> oh, this. Oh, well, when she's and how many a people, teenager. Just you wait, it's going to get, you know, and I feel like, can you not? Well, not all female teenagers are the worst. That's like, true. They're, they're not. They're functional human beings. <laughs> well, and how about we as a society stop not understanding female hormones and emotions and actually process through them yes and take them seriously and not be like you're just a you're a lunatic no you're just a female who probably didn't know what their period was or right what sex was or any of those things it's like going back to what you were saying like in that moment where you call the 1-800 number and you're saying like i'm having this trouble like what if when teenage girls are going through they they had the ability to say, like, I'm dealing with this right now. What does this mean? What does this mean? Yes. That would probably change the narrative pretty quickly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it is changing and it will continue to change. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. all right. Thank you so much, Annie. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much for dedicating your time and listening to us. We hope you'll join us again on this journey. Please follow us on Instagram at Motherhood Every Kind of Way, or you can always send us an email at Motherhood Every Kind of Way at gmail.com. And a special thanks to Bea Serene for letting us use your beautiful music. <laughs>